0: up 2.4 percent the nikkei 225 in japan that's opened and it's about two and a half percent higher than the, the uh, cosby in south korea also over two percent higher uh, and uh, looks like the hang Seng is going to add about 1.6 percent when it opens in an hour's time that's about 380 points <laughs> In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil, a little bit stronger in Asian trading this morning, trading at uh, $34.20 a barrel. Gold futures are up at an eight year high. They're trading at the moment at uh, $1,728 an ounce. That's their first time above seventeen hundred since December two thousand and twelve. And in the currency markets, the US dollar a little bit weaker, trading at 109 against the Japanese yen. The British pound is weaker on the news that Boris Johnson, UK Prime Minister, is in intensive care. It's trading at $1.23. That's it from me. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Hopefully, my voice will be back as well. So thank you very much for bearing with me this morning. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. Uh, Going to be mainly cloudy with one or two showers, bright periods during the day. Maximum temperature of around 20 degrees. The weather will improve and temperatures will rise gradually in the next couple of days. The temperature right now, 19 degrees, 86% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news.
1: Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who has COVID-19, has been moved to an intensive care unit in a central London hospital after his symptoms worsened. Is the BBC's Jonathan Blake.
2: We're told the Prime Minister had been given oxygen before being moved and was still conscious when he was taken to intensive care as a precaution, should he need to be put on a ventilator. Downing Street said the Prime Minister had asked the Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, who is first Secretary of State, to deputise for him where necessary. Politicians on all sides have wished the Prime Minister well. The Labour leader, Sakir Keir Starmer, said the country's thoughts were with the Prime Minister and his family during this incredibly difficult time.
1: More than 100 campaign groups and development agencies have called for the immediate cancellation of developing countries' debt payments in response to the crisis caused by the coronavirus. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker.
2: The Jubilee Debt Campaign says developing countries are being hit by an unprecedented economic shock and an urgent health emergency. It's one of more than 100 organisations who are calling for action from international lenders such as the World Bank, the governments of rich countries and others such as China and Saudi Arabia who have lent to developing nations. The group estimates that the 69 poorest countries could save $50 billion if payments this year and next were cancelled. It says the scale of the crisis and the need for a rapid response means resources must be directed towards the needs of populations and not diverted to lenders.
1: The campaign group Amnesty International says a move by Singapore to quarantine 20,000 migrant workers for two weeks in dormitories to prevent the spread of the coronavirus could prove a recipe for disaster. Amnesty called on the authorities to ensure that workers are able to self-isolate safely, adding that quarantines should be imposed in a manner that respects the human rights of those kept in isolation. Singapore's health authorities say the workers will undergo screenings for COVID-19. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
3: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. So this morning in the first part of the programme, we're going to be talking about caring for our pets during the coronavirus outbreak. How vulnerable are cats and dogs Uh, uh, and other other animals as well, for that matter, to uh, contracting COVID-19. And, of course, this week came the news that a tiger at a zoo in New York has tested positive for the virus. Earlier, a pet cat in Hong Kong and another in Belgium were found to have uh, contracted COVID-19, as well as two dogs here. We'll be talking to a senior vet with the SPCA to find out more. And after 9 o'clock... Uh, after the news at nine we'll be having a look at uh, what's likely to happen in the remainder of the academic year with the extended schools closure continuing many examinations cancelled and uncertainties surrounding this month's diploma of secondary education exams as always uh, let us know your thoughts you can leave a message on our facebook page uh, backchat on rthk radio 3 you can email us at uh, backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. Or give us a call on two double three double eight two double six two double three double eight two double six is the hotline. Well, uh, this morning, um, as mentioned in the first part of the show, we're talking uh, about uh, looking after our pets uh, at this time. And joining us uh, on the line, we have Dr. Jane Gray, who's chief veterinary surgeon with the SPCA. Uh, good morning to you.
4: Hi. Hi, Jim.
3: So, um, what uh, should we be doing to uh, protect our pets from the the chances of uh, contracting COVID-19?
4: Well, really, just the same as we've been doing all along, really, which is practising good personal hygiene, washing your hands before and after handling pets, obviously um, keeping healthy yourself, because the biggest risk to anybody is obviously human-to-human transmission. Our pets aren't the danger here. And if we feel not well, um, particularly if we're developing respiratory signs or a fever, then we really should sort of stay away from our pets, get someone else possibly to look after them and obviously seek medical attention. I think the key is here: nothing has really changed from last time um, that we spoke, that pets aren't the problem here, it's people-to-people transmission that is a danger to us um, in the world at the moment.
3: Is there much evidence of uh, of, uh, widespread infection among pets? I mean, there's there's only like a a few cases that we've heard of.
4: Sure. I mean, there's currently very limited information. I think Hong Kong really is actually one of the few places in the world that's actually testing pets from COVID-19 humans. Um, And currently, I think of the 44 animals, that have been quarantined by the government, 29 dogs, 15 cats last week. Um, only two dogs and one cat have tested positive, which is only around 6 to 7% in both species, bearing in mind these animals were in very close contact with COVID-19 um, people. Obviously, the sample is way too low to draw conclusions. Um, the other interesting fact is in the States. Um, recently, IDEX Laboratories, a big laboratory, um, has joined development test, uh, for, for a COVID-19 test in animal. Tested a thousand, I think it was 3,500 dogs and cats randomly and found none to have the virus. Um, so, really, in my opinion, at the moment, there is really no particular worry with pets at all. I mean, the only danger is us giving it to them rather than the other way around.
5: Right. Uh, how, uh, what are the symptoms of the pets uh, if they might have contracted COVID 19?
4: Well, to be honest, um, of the ones in Hong Kong, no symptoms whatsoever. They haven't shown any signs of the disease whatsoever. um, And um, they've not in any way transmitted that disease. There's no evidence that they've transmitted the disease either. Um, So really, at the moment in Hong Kong, anyway, there's no signs. Um, I think the cat in Belgium did uh, develop respiratory signs, but There's no, I'm not sure there's any direct evidence at the moment that that was definitely related to COVID or not. I think that they're still doing, um, it's all very new and they're still researching that. There may be other reasons. Cat flu is very common in cats. Um, That's far more common than for a cat to develop respiratory signs from the cat flu viruses that exist in the environment in Hong Kong and all around the world.
3: Do they have different kind of immune systems from humans, cats and dogs?
4: No, I mean, they're basically exactly the same. Um, They're mammalian species, so their immune system works in the same way. Their immune responses work in the same way. But I think um, the most important thing to realise is, in general, the viruses, the cats and dogs get coronaviruses too, but they're very different than the ones that humans get. So cats and dogs have naturally occurring coronaviruses, which are alpha viruses, and these cause a They don't cause respiratory symptoms. They tend to cause gastrointestinal symptoms, and in cats they can cause more serious symptoms, including feline infectious peritonitis, which is very nasty disease, but they don't cause respiratory symptoms. Humans get beta viruses, and these are the ones that have caused MERS, uh, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, SARS obviously in 2003, and now obviously COVID-19. So they're not, they're not, those viruses are not developing in the same way in animals as they are in us they're causing all the problems with us basically and making us well depends on what our immune system is doing but we can have mild symptoms to so obviously very severe symptoms and death
3: hmm. the uh, suspicion is uh, obviously that the the, the the virus that causes COVID-19 that particular coronavirus uh, jumped from uh, animal species uh, to humans Um, but uh, um, there's a possibility that it it originated in bats. I mean, do you you know any more about that?
4: Well, not really. I think this this is definitely the the current thinking that it could have originated in bats and obviously wildlife markets in China are, if you like, soups for viruses and disease and some of the bad hygiene practices and also the close contact of humans with species that we wouldn't naturally be coming in contact with, obviously, that increased the danger of this type of thing happening. I think there's still a lot of research to be done, to be honest, on this subject until we really know the truth. And I think at the moment, the the crowd is still out. But yes, it does appear to be pointing to a, a possibility of a virus in a bat jumping to another species.
3: And uh, like you say, there's no evidence that uh, cats and dogs can pass the virus to humans. Um, But uh, 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 are you concerned at all that, uh, I mean, is there any evidence of of people abandoning their pets uh, because of such fears?
4: At the moment. At at the SPCA, um, there's been no evidence that pet owners are abandoning their pets. Um, We personally haven't seen a spike in abandonment. What we have seen is an increase in the number of rabies serology tests, um, which need to be performed for many countries for export, which implies pet owners are maybe considering leaving Hong Mm. Kong, um, Mm. but thankfully taking their pets with them. And what's actually been really interesting in the States and Australia is that um, a lot of shelters have actually found the opposite of abandonment, that people have actually been going to the shelters and during this time of severe stress and, and sort of everyone staying at home, that they've actually considered either adopting or fostering a pet from from these shelters, to, you know, to, because they have time at home to nurture and look after these animals. Um, and, you know, obviously at the SPCA, we have plenty of animals waiting for good homes or needing fosters. And I know there's a lot of other welfare organizations out there. So obviously, maybe people can do the opposite of abandonment during this difficult time and actually consider helping out these animals that really deserve all the love and attention. Because let's be honest, animals give us unconditional love. And right now, um, we all need a bit of that, I think.
5: (laughs) Um, Well, well, while you said that uh, the dogs and cats uh, who might have contracted um, COVID-19 are asymptomatic, um, is there any case around the world that, um, you know, these pets would suddenly die um, as a result of, or, of COVID-19 or um, otherwise? No,
4: not that I'm aware of. I've certainly not heard of any cases um, of, of such, um, as I say. And um, the Pomeranian that passed away obviously died not because of, there was no evidence that it died of COVID-19. it was 17 years old, which is obviously equivalent to around 85 years old for a human being, and it had a lot of current sort of underlying diseases as well. So um, no, I personally I've not heard of any animal in the world passing away because of COVID-19.
3: Um, we're not in a total lockdown situation here, uh, thankfully, um, although we are being advised uh, to stay home as much as possible. I mean, if you have a dog, you should take it out for a walk probably um, twice a day. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, is, is that, yeah, is I, mean that I
4: think the key is difficulty? with animals, particularly dogs that are used to going for walks, um, it's important that you continue that practice otherwise it can be very stressful for the animal because you know they're, they're clean animals and used to toileting outside you certainly shouldn't stop walking them i mean what we've been advising owners is obviously to social distance from other pet owners and try not to you know, encourage too much social interaction during this particular time um, which we wouldn't normally advise obviously but right now we are um, and obviously if you are worried when you come back from a walk if your pet's feet are dirty or whatever you can use a sort of an antiseptic wiper proof for animals or some Gentle shampoo to clean their feet or any dirt off their body, but really, we're yeah, we're not saying. Please, you know, obviously, you guys stay at home as much as possible, but please realise that your animals do still need to go outside uh, at least twice a day.
3: And how about cats? I mean, a, a, a lot of cats are, are, are apartment cats. You know, they live inside. They don't go. They don't go out. You know, maybe may living on a high floor or something like that. But uh, but in in a sort of village environment, uh, people in with village houses live in village houses. Uh, have cats. Uh, the cats go outside. They uh, mix with uh, other cats. Um, uh, what's the situation there? Well, I
4: think then again as well. I mean, most of these cats will have not got will not be used to toileting inside and therefore to be honest in the interest of the cat welfare i would let them still go outside um to be honest if you keep a cat inside that's used to toileting outside you're going to end up with a really serious issue where the cat could actually develop urinary tract issues even become blocked which is a possibly fatal disease so i think bearing in mind the risk to the cat and the risk to let's be honest, cats are not going to transmit it to humans, and there's no evidence that at the moment they really will transmit to other animals, particularly not certainly not in the normal environment, um, that we shouldn't be keeping them inside either. I think, you know, we have to... Us are the danger. That's why we should be staying inside, um, not particularly the cat. And let's be honest, in a village situation in general, the cats are sort of not really mixing that much with other animals. They're probably doing their own thing and coming back into the house.
3: So is it still okay to you know, pick up our cats and you know, hug them, stroke them, that kind of thing?
4: Sure. I mean, as long as you're healthy um, mm. and not showing any signs of the disease, of course, yes, we should be interacting with our pets. Um, obviously kissing them and things like that, not a good idea. Um, and obviously washing our hands before and after interacting with pets is a good idea just like we're washing our hands regularly at the moment anyway but no i, I mean i'm I have um two street cats ex street cats that live in my flat and i have a dog that comes to work with me every day and he's sitting next to me now mm-hmm. um i'm still interacting with my pets i'm not worried at all about my pets i'm not worried about the animals walking through the door every day at the fbca i'm worried about catching it from one of us unfortunately mm-hmm. humans are the issue as i say pets are really not the problem and one of the things i w- would like to say if i can have this opportunity, just to be Please. a cheeky, yeah. mm. is um, that, you know, I think it's really important us humans do have a contingency plan for our pets. It's really important that during this time, none of us, I mean, I don't know um, whether I'm going to get infected, and it's vital that we do have a pet care plan just in case, and really ensure that someone who knows your pet well can step in to take care of your of of your pet in times of emergency, provide them with a contact list, keep up to date with vaccinations, deworming and everything, just in case they did need an emergency boarding. If your pet's on long-term medication, like my dog, my dog has chronic neck disease, Keep at least a 30-day supply of, of pills and um, provide clear dosage instructions on in how to administer these drugs. And also prepare at least two weeks of food for them as well and maybe a little um, sort of sealed bag containing a clean lead, a clean collar, um, a clean bedding, something that they like to, to lie on, something that reminds them of home. And also, obviously, just make sure if you've got a dog, it's licensed and microchips and if it's not, make sure you have a collar and ID card for them. I think it's you know we forget about the animals sometimes, but if you, particularly me, I live on my own. If, if something happens to me, I really do need to make sure that my cat, cats are being paired Sorry, my cat and
5: my
3: dog are being cared for. Yeah, the, uh, them, the, so, yeah. Sorry, Ada, you were going to. No,
5: no, no. To... I, I, I was going to ask another question. I, I know that we normally don't wear masks at home, uh, but if we. Uh, let's say sneezing and have a little bit of cough and we're not sure whether we got the buck or it's just a common cold, um, should we not go near our pets or should we wear a mask at home?
4: Well, certainly if you've got a fever and, yeah, you do have respiratory signs, general advice from veterinarians and, and from medical people is that obviously you wear a mask and seek... Um, your medical attention find out what's going on um, because obviously yes you don't know you don't know it may just be a common cold in which case really there's no danger to your pet and there's no danger if you've got covid to be honest but it's like anything we 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 don't want to be infecting because infecting is a very different word than actually um, sort of um, getting the disease or getting sick because pets will not get sick from us but yes, um, you know, if I got sick and developed a fever, I certainly would stay away from my pet and seek medical advice, find out what's going on first. And I say, I've already got my plan in place and uh, I'm hoping obviously I don't get sick, but you don't know, we none of us have got a crystal ball here um, and we all need to be careful.
3: If the uh, owner uh, does get sick uh, and is found uh, uh, to have the virus, so that, so that, that means the, the pet, the, the dog or the cat would automatically go into quarantine?
4: At the moment, yes, but I believe that may be about to change. The government are looking into quarantining pets at home because I think they're, they're believing now that the really, um, you know, the, the danger is not the pets. Obviously, if an owner has no other contingency plan and, and can't keep the pets at home, then I know the government will board them, and I think they still are boarding them. But I, I believe that they are going to maybe have a slight change of tack in the near future, if not already, um, about that because for a start their boarding kennels are getting full and um, obviously it may not be in the pet's best interest to be quarantined um, if, if possible. So I think there are some discussions of that and there may be some changes happening in the next few days I believe. Right.
5: At the SPCA I know that you have many volunteers coming in every day to, um, to help clean up the pets or you know walk, walk them. Um, is it a bit quieter these days?
4: Um, well we're obviously having to produce stringent methods because of this i mean everybody that's coming to the spca has to wear a mask we do temperature checks we get people to wash their hands with alcohol when they walk through the door our clinic services because obviously that we're treating sick pets and you know looking after hong kong's pet population are running as normal our surgeries are running as normal our adoption is still running but it's by appointment because what we are trying to do is limit the number of people to, to encourage social distancing so we're we're actually having appointments for people to come and have a look at our adoption animals but we are still open um, and obviously they're welcoming people adopting animals, there's particularly quite a few pets at the SPCA right now who've been here for a while who would love a bit of respite even fostering for a few weeks to give them a break from their kennels Um, so yeah, we are still still running as normal um, and we hope that will continue obviously during this crisis.
5: Right, but our family is still keen to adopt or at least to come and take a look?
4: Um, Yeah, no, no, people are still coming um, to take a look. We're still getting appointments booked um, and there's still a lot of reasonable interest, yes. And, and we hope that that will continue. And as I say, um, other countries, it's been very interesting. Some shelters have actually almost emptied of animals because people are being locked down at home. And they're obviously taking that time to actually look after pets and bond and, and spend time. It's probably an ideal time when you have more time on your hands to actually bond. Because let's be honest, in normal life, we're at work all the time. And when we adopt a pet, we don't always have this prime time to uh, um, actually bond and make friends and really form a a good companionship with these animals.
3: Um, Okay, Um, there's a message on our Facebook from um, Victoria Ann, uh, who writes that uh, I urge uh, whoever's hosting uh, the programme, uh, th- this was obviously posted before we went on air, to uh, to be careful concerning this topic. There were a massive number of uh, abandonment and culling of pets in Wuhan over erroneous and uh, scientifically unproven suggestions that pets can carry the virus. This is widely reported on the BBC, Times, CNN and The Independent, etc. Please make sure your information is precise and accurate and do not lead uh, to pet abandonment. Thank you. Your colleague on Morning Brew did a good job last week speaking with a vet uh, and posted a link to the vet's uh, statement concerning pets and coronavirus. I mean, we, we have talked about this uh, uh, subject uh, uh, quite a bit, uh, uh, Jane Gray, because it is important and so many of us do, do keep pets and they're an important parts of our lives, aren't they? Um, um, but I think uh, and I hope this morning that we've uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, managed to negate any perhaps uh, false, uh, you know, impressions that pets can spread the virus.
4: No, I totally agree. I mean, please listen only to information from credible sources. And also when we're sharing our information, please make sure, because social media is a great thing, but it also can be an absolutely awful thing and there's a lot of mis- misinformation flying about and that's why the SPCA is constantly updating our website, constantly informing our owners. We're working with the government, um, AFCD, we're working with City University and the Hong Kong Vet Association. We're all in an email group together talking about it as professionals and making sure that the correct information because for us obviously as the SPCA it's vital that animals do not get brought into this crisis. Animals as say are not a risk to us Um, risk. We are the risk to each other and it's vital that 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 information keeps going. Yes, and I totally agree. Please listen to professionals, both medical professionals and veterinary professionals, and really be careful about spreading misinformation because it's incredibly dangerous.
3: There's another um, email on a similar subject. Uh, This one from uh, Sabina says, Uh, uh, Please, uh, uh, well, I hope your show will only discuss matters that are facts and not fear-mongering for people who are on the edge to be even more scared of seeing pets, especially dogs on the road. You know how fearful uh, and herd mentality Hong Kong people can be, and it makes it uh, really tough for pet owners when there is a mass fear that is completely unfounded. Uh, Thank you for your help and accurate uh, reporting. Um, yes, um, um, any advice for, for for dog owners if they're, if they 're out walking the dog and and you know, uh, people do sort of uh, show uh, signs of uh, of being afraid of having a dog nearby
4: well, I think at this period of time I, I think I would just i mean what i do I, t- I take my dog for walks and, and to be honest, my dog gets more attention than I do unfortunately because he 's rather cute but yes, I mean I think be obviously be respectful that people sometimes are scared of dogs, whether we have COVID or not. And we need as pet owners to be respectful of that. Um, And obviously social distancing at the moment is key anyway. So, you know, we are even, like I said before, and we're encouraging people to take their dogs for a walk. We're not encouraging people to come close to each other and interact. So I think The key is, unfortunately, you can't smile at them because no one can see that through the mask. But just maintain calmness and, you know, obviously take a wide route around people if they look scared. I think this, right now, is not the time to um, try to convince people, animals are also great. Um, I think the key is to keep ourselves safe. So we can still look after our animals and keep social distance from people, but in general i've never i've not encountered this at all um, with when i've been walking my dog um, and in general um, people actually are finding a lot of solace with animals right now, and I know Even in our homing department, I've had some friends come who haven't got pets that have come down, made an appointment just to bring their their children and and their their family to have a look at our animals in a quiet environment and actually get a bit of respite from all this stress. So, um, yeah, I think animals are actually incredible. I'm obviously biased, I'm a vet, I love animals, I've I've always had animals in my life, but I think during this difficult time, animals are actually something that we really need, Um, and I I, personally, when I come home from a long day at work, I love meeting my cats, they meet me at the door, and I love spending time with my pets, so um, they keep me sane. (laughs)
3: Mm. A, a very short message here from Jay, which touches uh, on something we, we, we mentioned briefly before. Uh, it says uh, a virus supposed to have originated in the pangolin, not bat. I think the point is that uh, uh, the virus did apparently seems originate in bats and the pangolin was some sort of intermediary that passed it to humans. Yeah, I mean, it's an
6: intermediary
4: host and that's what people are trying to sort of really confirm at the moment. The, the virus very similar to to COVID-19 was identified in in bats. Um, I think it was a a while ago now. And yes, of course, they feel that there's been some transmits. The key, I think, with this is they believe that because of the close proximity of wild animals in these these markets that obviously everybody wants to see shut down, um, is where it's jumped to humans. Now, was that, you know, a pangolin? Was that something else? But I think... They're still doing a lot of research but the key is i think ultimately to take from this that wild animals should not be kept in markets like this where there's unhygienic kept in crowded environments stressful um wild animals are meant to be in the wild not coming into close contact with human beings and i think hopefully moving forward we can, if there's one lesson we can learn from this
3: that, that will be it Okay, uh, uh, another message here from uh, Octo says uh, dogs must not be allowed to urinate and poo on pavements. Dogs should use uh, dog pans, many available. Dog feces in front of buildings surely is not healthy. Thank you for your concern, from Octo. uh, That's that's kind of uh, uh, generally the case, though, isn't it? That should be observed. No, of course. I mean that that
4: goes with that, whether we've got COVID or not. I mean, responsible pet ownership is key, of course. um, I mean, dogs, if, I mean, my dog will go out onto, onto the pavement, but obviously I will clean up his poo. I will place it in a poo bag. Um, I will obviously, if it urinates, I will make sure it washes, washes away. Um, I think this is really important for all pet owners to do that. Um, otherwise, that's exactly how we get the bad rap, and people don't like pets. So, as pet owners, that's something that we should be doing all the time, not not just during this particular crisis.
3: Not all pet owners are quite so responsible, yeah. are they? <laughs> no, no,
4: no, and no, they're not, no. and they and they are giving us a bad rap in the same way that other, you know people that are cruel to animals uh, give give um, you know people a bad rap. So I think yes, I agree. I mean. The SPCA spends a lot of time promoting education in children and also with our our responsible pet ownership um, sort of promotions, getting people to do this because it's vital. Um, If animals are going to live in society with us, it's vital that we take responsibility for them. We we hopefully won't let our children run riot everywhere and it's exactly the same, um, you know, as, as animals, we should we should keep them under control and we should be respectful um, of other people that don't have animals.
3: I think there's also a, a $1,500 on-the-spot fine for people who let yes. their dogs yes, uh, make is. a mess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ho- Hopefully that... That's Same as
4: littering and um, dropping fag ends, I believe. <laughs> that's, that's
3: right, which were all introduced uh, after SARS in 2003, yes, I think. Yeah it was. I
4: was here then. And, yeah, it was one of, I think, probably the benefits of SARS was that Hong Kong did clean up its act quite considerably and um, became a lot of cleaner place and became far more conscious mm. of hygiene, which was uh, one of the, uh, a good thing, obviously. Mm.
3: Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us uh, on the program this morning. Uh, you, no, you've been pleasure. listening. Uh, uh, that, that, that's great. Thanks so much. Uh, you've been listening to uh, Dr. Jane Gray, who's a chief veterinary surgeon uh, at the SPCA. Um, uh, in the second half uh, of the program this morning, we're going to be talking about um, talking more about the effects uh, of the coronavirus. Um, Outbreak uh, on the academic year, with uh, uh, extensive school closures continuing. uh, Many examinations cancelled, and still uncertainty surrounding this month's uh, diploma of secondary education. Uh, Don't forget, you can get in touch. Uh, Give us a call on two double three. Uh, double eight 266 is the easiest way of doing it or you can leave a message on our Facebook page Backchat on RTHK Radio 3 email us at backchat at rthk.hk uh, A quick uh, look at the weather uh, it's going to be uh, mainly cloudy with one or two showers, bright periods uh, during the day, uh, the outlook uh, the weather will improve and temperatures will rise gradually in the next
1: Payers subsidising shared debt You're listening to the news on RTHK <laughs>
3: to back chat uh, with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And uh, in the second part of the programme this morning, um, we'll be having a look at what's likely to happen in the remainder of the academic year with uh, the extended schools closure continuing and many international examinations cancelled and uncertainties surrounding this month's Diploma of Secondary Education exams. Um, But before we uh, get to that subject, uh, uh, a number of uh, uh, emails... Uh, to deal with uh, quickly. Um, this one uh, from Mr. Pink, who writes uh, Carrie Lamb was justifiably lambasted last year for grossly mishandling the extradition bill, and she is now rightly being criticized for accepting a pay rise at a time when local unemployment looks certain to soar to record levels. But let's also give her and her administration credit where credit is due, namely in their handling of the COVID 19 crisis. Despite having a border with the country from where the virus emerged and the fact that, unlike many other countries, we have not had a shutdown, Hong Kong's relatively low numbers of infections and deaths are impressive. We can debate ad infinitum about whether the government could have implemented some policies earlier or whether Hong Kong's low numbers are due more to behavioural traits of Hong Kongers rather than government policies. Regardless, Hong Kong should be proud of the manner in which we, the people and the government, have so far navigated this unprecedented threat. As a comparison, look at Singapore, where cases have recently soared to 1,375, 50% higher than Hong Kong, forcing the government to impose a virtual lockdown of the city-state. Or consider Switzerland, often considered the gold standard of management, safety and quality of life, where the number of cases has surged to around 22,000 and the number of deaths has hit a staggering 765. Almost at 200 times Hong Kong's four deaths, despite the fact that Switzerland's population is just 15% higher than Hong Kong's. But Hong Kong must be careful not to relax any of the measures, particularly the border restrictions and quarantine rules that have so far served us well. Mr Pink. And this one uh, from uh, Tim. Tim writes, um, uh, extraordinary Carrie Lam, already one of the highest paid government employees in the world at 5.2 million a year, gives herself a salary increase for crashing the economy this past year. Her timing in the midst of a pandemic as she closes businesses, resulting in people losing jobs and income on an unprecedented scale could not be worse. And um, also uh, from the same uh, same person, Timothy says, uh, dear Bakchet, SMEs in Hong Kong comprise more than 90% of Hong Kong companies. So may I suggest you have a programme for SMEs to, to call in to explain how their businesses are being impacted and what they want the government to do? Uh, okay, that's a very uh, good suggestion, and I'm sure we will follow up on that in the very near future. Uh, we're now joined on the line by Mervin Cheung, uh, Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group, uh, and also Henry Tong, uh, Chairman of the Hong- of the Committee on Home School Education. Uh, good morning to you both. Hi. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning, morning. Uh, 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 perhaps um, Henry Tong first, uh, so um, all of us, uh, all of us parents, or students, we're, we're all used to uh, a different way of learning and living these days uh, with homeschooling. How's it going from your point of view?
6: Well, uh, one of the uh, good results I think coming out from a bad happening is that the uh, IT literacy of uh, students and parents seems to be have uh, gone a lot better uh, now because of uh, all the online learnings and uh, online classroom organized by uh, teachers and,
3: uh, and and school. Uh, okay, well, that that's certainly sounds like one. But, but what, what one about positive benefits? Yeah, um, yeah. th-
5: those families, uh, there are many families who don't really have this sort of um, hardware, uh, and also the Wi-Fi, and also the number of uh, tablets available f- if they have more well, than in, in, one child. In,
6: in, in the beginning of the crisis, like in uh, in, uh, in February or in the beginning of March, uh, we have seen that a lot of uh, unfortunate uh, families. Uh, who don't have the hardware and, and Wi-Fi at home. But uh, since then, uh, a lot of uh, big organizations, like the Hong Kong Jockey Club, and, uh, also, uh, they have donated uh, Wi-Fi cards, and also uh, some organizations they have donated laptops, and uh, also more schools are more willing to loan their tablets uh, to students, uh, need these students at home. So I think uh, this problem has been uh, at least partly uh, 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 alleviated. But I agree that <coughs> the the problem of uh, low-income families not uh, not uh, not having enough support uh, for online learning is still something uh, that EDB and also NGOs uh, should continue to help.
5: Right. So, how are your children learning, Henry? Uh, are they happy with fewer homework, or or is it not? Is it really roughly the same?
6: Well, uh, I have a son and daughter. They are they are both in the secondary schools uh, right now. Uh, fortunately, their school have organised uh, the timetable uh, quite well for. Uh, for using using zoom uh, to teach uh, every day they follow uh, more or less uh, uh, same uh, timetable as if uh, they were in a, in in a, in a regular uh, school school day and they submit uh, their homework uh, on online which is not of a big problem but on the other hand, I also know that uh, not all the school my estimates that maybe uh, maybe only seventy or eighty of the schools are able to, uh, to conduct uh, very good uh, on- online learning uh, as of th- this time and I think uh, some schools have uh, not even started uh, online learning they are still using the old way that just uh, just handing homeworks to uh <coughs> children uh, on a weekly basis and ask them to do any homework on, on- online uh, instead of teaching them online and and, and I, I, I think that uh, uh, the parents-teacher parents', organize, parents teacher organize, uh, associations and also EDB should look, look into helping at uh, these schools too.
3: Okay, uh, um, Mervin Chung, is that, that how you see the situation? Is it 70 uh, to 80% of schools are, are able to do this effectively, but m- maybe the others can't? Uh,
7: yes, I think the reactions uh, to, to this kind of uh, assumed teaching uh, are mixed. And... Um, well on the whole I think uh, uh, schools uh, are are very hard working in well, in carrying out uh, uh, you know classes stop but to learning stopped uh, not not stop uh, 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 arrangement and um, <clears throat> they do a lot of uh, uh, teaching and learning on, on the line but uh, to parents, especially those from grassroots families uh, they they find it uh, you know, rather difficult to cope. Because um, on the one hand, as Ada just mentioned, there's the question of uh, availability of uh, uh, computers uh, and and related equipment. And on the other hand, they don't have the know-how to handle such things.
5: Um, I I know that uh, different countries are faced with different situations. Uh, While our schools are are pretty much uh, on track um, in the things they teach, I heard just two days ago from a friend who has immigrated to Latvia of all countries. Uh, Latvian government says that because of uh, COVID-19, students can choose to uh, repeat one year. Uh, because there is a digital divide, as as many of you have said, and uh, the digital divide will only empower a certain sector of the community to uh, grasp the, the uh, online learning while the others are left behind. So do you think this is something that uh, Hong Kong should think about? Uh, assuming that we are not going to... Um, uh, resume classes uh, very soon and uh, we certainly cannot have a big final exam online um, so uh, for this academic year uh, what could schools do Mervyn?
7: I think um, so uh, after classes are resumed uh, there's, there should be uh, closer linkages between families and, and, and schools um, In terms of this kind of a sharing of um, digital equipment for the kind of home home uh, home learning, and um, I think uh, the EDB can can also study you know uh, to what extent such such facilities are not enough in 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 uh, in an average family, and um, and then the appropriate provisions should be made Um, not only for. the extraordinary period of uh, viral infection, but also on on, de- on days of uh, ordinary uh, teaching and learning, so that the students can you know can do their learning uh, at home during a longer vacation or over the weekends, you know uh, that kind of things. And I think in in the long run, this kind of online teaching and learning will be uh, will be pursued more vigorously around the world. So Hong Kong should not be left behind, especially in the training of a younger generation to face the challenges you know, of the future. I, I think uh, for, for the, uh, for in some other countries, they might uh,
6: encourage students to repeat one year after the CV-19 crisis. Uh, that might be applicable to some countries, but it, uh, because they have a lot of space and a lot of uh, classroom in Hong Kong. That might not be uh, possible because uh, Hong Kong is uh, is a small place, and, and the schools are already congested. And uh, each year there are about fifty thousand students. One cohort is fifty thousand students entering the system, and I don't think we have the physical space to allow the, a lot of students to repeat for for, for, for one year. And uh, I, I I would uh, believe that. Uh, as uh, Mr. Jung said, uh, online learning, online teaching is a, is a good way uh, to uh, alleviate the, the problem. And uh, secondly, I think uh, maybe uh, the summer holiday, part of the summer holiday would be uh, or should be used uh, to make up uh, for the lost uh, uh, teaching and learning, learning time of
7: the school year.
3: How about um, uh, this, this? This one for, for either of you? Um, do you have any insights into uh, students who were taking the International Baccalaureate? Because uh, the the, the IB has been cancelled this year. The exams have been cancelled this year, so they will be given a mark based on, on their coursework. Um, um, I guess that was the only way to do it, really. Uh, that's
6: that's correct. But from what I know about IB, uh, they already have a system. Uh, for a predicted grade based on uh, internal coursework and based on uh, uh, they have a quality assurance system uh, that uh, they have ex- external examiner assessing uh, the level of, uh, of the work of each school uh, to compare the level of uh, students work for each school. So uh, they, they have a system to uh, have predicted grade which compared to different schools, they are more or less fair. So uh, that, that has been a system for us. ID for for a long long time, but unfortunately, uh, in Hong Kong, uh, in the secondary school in Hong Kong, we uh, don't have that system of PTE grade, and also comparing the PTE grade of every single uh, secondary school in Hong Kong, that will cause a fairness problem uh, the, in Hong Kong if uh, there is not a DSE exam.
7: Well, it's, uh yeah, I agree. Um, well, it's, uh, it's uh, more or less uh, an established practice and, uh, and also, uh, you know, uh, this, for this kind of systematic and, uh, and also comprehensive assessment of, stu- of students uh, enrolled to uh, I-IB, uh, IB curriculum. But for an average secondary school in Hong Kong, um, this kind of continuous assessment, systematic uh, continuous assessment, is practically uh, not followed. It. And... Um, of course, some schools might do more, uh, uh, well, well, this kind of day-to-day assessment, but certainly not for, uh, not for the majority of the schools. And still, we um, hold our assessment on the basis of examination uh, 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 performance. So uh, even uh, for secondary, secondary one uh, allocation, schools have, still have to submit grades uh, three times. So, um, and of course, for for individual schools, they they need to obtain such grades primarily through examinations. So, um, and of course, in recent years, there's already some kind of um, um, school-based assessment, uh, the result which uh, is built into the final grade in the in the DSE uh, examination. Uh, yet, uh, you know, such as a school-based assessment, uh, SBA. It uh, counts only for fifteen to thirty percent of the total grade, uh, which cannot be uh, reliably taken to reflect a students' uh, academic ability and performance. So, uh, a lot still depends on the conduct of uh, physical examinations to assess students' competence in different subject and areas.
3: Okay, thanks. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Uh, caller John. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Yes. Yes. Uh, please go ahead.
2: Oh, well, um, I have to say I am with uh, uh, some of. Uh, I'm agree with. I agree with what your guests uh, said about the idea that we in Hong Kong do not have a well-established uh, system of uh, evaluating the school uh, evaluation, uh, accepting the uh, school evaluation of students' academic attainment. Um, for example, in the current system. Uh, JUPAS. Uh, We schools need to submit school reference reports, um, which indicate students' percentile ranks in different subjects uh, within their year group. But very rarely do universities make conditional offers to students uh, based on the information in the school reference reports. Uh, At most, they just use the information to select students for interviews. So this is in a stark contrast uh, to the UK system, for example. In the UK, it's very common for them to Use predicted rates uh, to uh, make conditional offers to applicants. So, um, it's. Uh, I have some reservations about cancelling uh, DSE exams. Um, mm.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, sure. Okay, um, um, uh, Mervyn Chen, would you like to respond?
7: Yeah, I I, I agree with uh, this uh, uh, audience uh, you will know, and, and its observation on, on on the whole thing. Yeah, uh, admittedly that. Um, there's a quota for each school um, called a principal's recommendation for for students uh, to be considered for admission to universities. It's something like a, it's something like a, you know prov- provisional offers uh, uh, yeah, and and the like. But um, uh, that's only a very you know a small number of, uh, of places involved. It and the overwhelming majority of seats uh, uh, continue to be allocated uh, you know by, by reference to. Students' performance in the in the DSE. So, uh, if we want uh, this kind of continuous assessment to be to be smooth and te- more generally and uh, readily accepted, there must be further changes in in the system of our uh, admissions of uh, first year first de- degree places uh, um, in in the publicly funded universities. For instance, uh, they, they may. Reserve a bigger quota for this kind of uh, school recommendations um, for students uh, for consideration by, by the universities based on their uh, their you know, uh, 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 everyday performance in, in schools, instead of uh, exclusively. Um, uh, being considered on the basis of attainments
5: in the, in the right. DSE exam. Okay. Uh, many educators are not uh, optimistic that the DSE exam can start on the 27th of April as planned, so there might be further delays until May or even until June. Uh, while, you know, in the UK, as you know, the A-level exams have been cancelled, the IB has been cancelled, so... Um, I don't think the DSE can be cancelled at this rate, right? That's so, really. um, any 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 other plans that um, you know the Education Bureau can do?
6: Well, I I, I think uh, uh, for the cv nineteen crisis, is an opportunity for EDB and the university to think about other ways of admissions, uh, like Mr. Cheng said, based on continuous assessment and also the leadership and uh, extracurricular activities and performances of students uh, have 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 another. Uh, system set up, uh, this is an opportunity. And uh, secondly, I, I would think that uh, as a last resort, uh, EDB and EAA uh, should consider uh, delaying DSE to July. Like in China, uh, they have already delayed the examination for higher education uh, to July. I think uh, parents and uh, students, they are already under a lot of uh, stress of waiting for what would happen on uh, April, April 27th. And if you delay for three weeks and, then, and, and and then you don't know whether that will happen, why don't why why not just delay to a date that more people feel comfortable, which is uh, July and that that's one way of working.
3: OK, uh, a couple of more um, e- emails here from listeners. Uh, this one from Angry Parent writes, uh, please drop the two-year contract for internet and force PCCW to drop their price by 200%. So, <laughs> uh, And another one, uh, uh, David writes, um, I know that uh, the television and cable TV programmes uh, are doing their best to educate kids uh, in violence, uh, um, Gun control, robbery, why is it the television companies uh, are full of idiots? We have schools on holiday, therefore family films, uh, moral films and good films to keep the kids uh, occupied... Uh, and educated. I think he means that's what we need on TV and not murder films and blood and gore gives too too many uh, bad ideas and makes them sick in the head. Carrie and her government have not got a clue. Uh, $10,000 goes absolutely nowhere. Give everybody 15000 a month and free electricity. And gas and water. Uh, to, uh, touching on a few other issues there, uh, but we are into the school holidays now, uh, aren't we? Uh, well, the, the 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 Easter holiday, the end of term holiday. Uh, um Is um, anyone uh, encountering difficulties uh, with uh, um, children sort of being at home on school break and not, or be, well, certainly being discouraged from going out? Well.
7: Um well, let me supplement the um, the, the issue of uh, of the um, holding of the D S C examination, mm. uh, p- uh, most likely to be on a, on a delayed basis. And um, I, I, well, in my opinion, so, well, where possible and allowed it, and uh, taking recon- into in account the the safety and, and the least of the students and the teachers, uh, the DSE examination should be held over the next two months, uh, say by probably by July at the latest, or to provide a partial and also internationally recognized assessment on the secondary six students uh, in, in respect of their academic attainments. I think uh, subject grades from this uh, territory-wide examination uh, do have the value um, um, that will enable local and overseas universities to select their first year undergraduate students for a new academic year, beginning usually September this year and also uh labor employers to hire their staff in various trades. Uh, according to to the government schools have already obtained it, sufficient antiviral materials for holding the, ex- the 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 examination in their premises for instance um it is known that each DSC candidate has been given 10 uh, facial masks for use
5: yeah that's correct and also the um the hand wipes and everything else
7: yeah yeah and also with classes yet to be reopened, there should be sufficient manpower and physical space uh, in accordance with antiviral infection precautionary requirements for doing the different examination sessions. So, um, but one thing is that if we defer um, the DAC examinations, one thing we need to do at this stage is to uh, do consultation with the local universities uh, asking them to slightly defer the start of the new academic year. Um, that's offering more time for the HKEAA to complete the administration of DAC examinations and also for them to do their undergraduate missions. Now given the relatively um, appreciable time in the inter-semester or, or break um, terms, they usually take place in um, December and January, universities seem to have a bigger room to manoeuvre than secondary schools. So I am all for uh, for for doing the DSC examinations over the next the next two two months. But uh, one thing is that um, this does not preclude the need for the, uh, for the Education Bureau to think about other approaches of uh, tackling the issue, just in a very worst scenario. Of not being able
5: to hold the DSE examination. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sorry, Ada. go ahead. No, I, I was saying yes. We have tackled the DSE. But I, but I think uh, in the long run, even if we have an exam culture in Hong Kong, and that is not going to go away in the short term, we should still think about um, you know, how to, um, how to have a predicted grade like IB and how to get the coursework um, into calculation, because um, this is not the one and only pandemic. And I, I'm told that uh, the world has become very complex, very uncertain, very volatile. And so education systems and also exam systems and need a complete overhaul and rethink as well if we cannot meet face-to-face um, because um, I think relationship between teacher and students actually uh, cannot be replaced by Zoom and I want um, you know you to comment on that, uh, either Henry or Mervyn. Uh,
6: well, I, I totally agree that uh, now is an opportunity for the university that for ETP to develop uh, a new way of uh, university admission uh, consideration. I would think it would be ideal in the future if uh, the DSC exam result only count for 50% of the university's consideration and the other 50% would be continuous assessment inside the secondary school and also the leadership quality and also the uh, extracurricular activities performance of students. That will really encourage whole person development rather than uh, than, uh, encouraging students just to be a good, uh, could have good
3: examination skills. Uh, that's very important. Okay, well, thank you uh, both uh, very much. Uh, we'll have to bring the conversation to uh, a close there. i uh, have got a few more uh, emails to get through before the end of the program. But uh, uh, thanks very much to uh, Henry Tong, uh, Chairman of the Committee on Home School Education. And thank you also to Mervin Cheung of the uh, Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organization and um just uh, before we go um, um as i say a, a few emails on uh, various topics um th- uh, this one from a, a guest who was on uh, uh, yesterday a uh, doctor in western australia uh, tom I, th- I think it was dr tom lee i think uh, um uh, Tom Wright uh, thank you for inviting me yesterday to share my western australian perspective on the pandemic uh, just to clarify during the show i raised the point about the very low mortality rates from covid-19 in hong kong taiwan and singapore i think one of the less discussed but important issues is the frontline healthcare workers excellent job uh, with their firm focuses on universal precautions and PPE, personal protective equipment, procedures. Apart from the unaccountable community infectious risks, our uh, Hong Kong frontline healthcare workers from cleaners, orderly uh, to doctors... And nurses all have done excellent work in reducing infection risks to themselves and their patients. In Italy and Spain, there is lots of data to show hospital healthcare institution acquired infection for staff and patients, unlike in Hong Kong, Taiwan and Singapore. I would like to join uh, many others to add my request to uh, the uh, HKA, please. Please uh, give the frontline staff more resources in terms of patient admission capacities, staffing and equipment to tackle the further increases of COVID-19 infections. Otherwise, they can no longer do their excellent job. Infection risks in Hong Kong hospitals and mortality rates will then increase. Uh, would like uh, th- w- sorry. Uh, would the host be so kind as to say a big thank you and keep safe to all the frontline healthcare staff in Hong Kong for me? And that's from uh, Tom, who's a doctor in Western Australia. Uh, this one. Uh, this one, this from Drake, uh, what we were talking about before nine o'clock about uh, cats and dogs and coronavirus. Uh, uh, Drake says that there was indeed one Belgian cat which developed coronavirus symptoms, diarrhoea, vomiting and respiratory issues. It got the disease from the sick owner last week. Now the big cats in New York Zoo are showing signs too. Hope all of them will recover soon. There's more too on the wearing of face masks issue and uh, our Monday co-host Mike Rouse but that will have to wait I think because we're running out of time